This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics, all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to our To The Point Podcast. This is Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb & Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me my co-host, ERISA attorney Stacy Barrow of Marathas Barrow Weatherhead in Lent. Hello, Stacy. Hi, Sarah. So I'm not sure if our audience has heard, but the House Ways and Means Committee has been busy. It's July 2018, and just last week we saw the committee approve 11 bills that focus on delaying the implementation of some of the provisions in the Affordable Care Act and other tax-related measures. And interestingly, many of these bills promote greater flexibility for health savings accounts, or HSAs. So, Stacey, before we get into the details um, of the different bills, why so much attention on HSAs, do you think? Um, well, I mean, the, the backdrop for all of this is phase two of tax reform. And so a lot of this, you know, it, it is part of a, a larger tax package. They're uh, thinking of making the individual tax cuts permanent. They had initially expired after 10 years. Um, and it's just, I think, a way to kind of keep with the uh, president's intention to expand access to health care. Um, it, it's interesting to see a lot of movement on these tax-favored accounts. Um, I think we talked in the past, for, for many years, there have been bills um, that have languished in Congress um, to expand HSAs. They just haven't gone anywhere. And I think both parties over the years have been kind of reluctant to expand upon HSAs because you know, the more money that goes into the HSAs, it's simply less tax revenue for the government. Um, and a lot of these changes have already been introduced over the years. Uh, but I, I do think it's getting a little more uh, buzz this year because some of these bills have more bipartisan support. Um, and, you know, the first phase of tax reform has already passed. So we know that, you know, that these types of, of bills are capable of passing. Um, not to skip ahead too much, but, you know, just keep in mind that th- these are um, you know, with the House of Representatives at, at this point, um, and they tend to be over-inclusive, right? And by the time it gets to the Senate, it gets watered down and filtered down a little bit. Just as an example, if you remember um, when the House of Representatives had the their version of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, they were doing things like eliminating dependent care FSAs, eliminating uh, educational assistance programs and other types of of employee benefit plans, and uh, those did not make it into the final bill. So I don't know how many of these will make it into the final, but um, it would be a huge expansion of HSAs, and a lot of these changes are, are, are will be very welcomed by HSA holders. Maybe that's why they proposed so many in hopes that some of them would stick. <laughs> I don't know. Well, can you outline some of the, just at a high level, some of the proposed HSA-related bills? Sure. Um, and there's one that I want to mention um, at the start that is not HSA-related, but it's it's still going to be very interesting to folks. And it's, it's HR 4616, uh, doing it from recollection. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And it would... Yeah. Um, retroactively repeal the employer mandate from 2015 through 2018. 
that that would be huge for anyone affected um, by or having to pay penalties under the employer mandate those years. I don't know the odds of it passing. Um, it was introduced by Devin Nunes, I believe, out of California, and it also delays the Cadillac tax um, one more year until 2023, I believe. Um, so that's one that's also getting floated around there. Um, but in terms of the um, HSA bills, um, there there are um, you know a, a handful. Sarah, like Sarah said, a dozen or so um, that would expand HSAs. Um, and they are largely bipartisan. So I'll give a couple of snippets from one of them. Um, one of the pieces in the uh, the HSA Improvement Act, it's a little hard to tell because the, the law is, I, I think it's a, a tiny bit unclear. Um, one provision I believe is intended to clarify the HSA issue, um, or sorry, the, um, the telemedicine issue, allowing um, individuals to have copay free telemedicine without disrupting HSA eligibility. Um, another provision would allow the use of on-site clinics and retail clinics um, for certain qualified services without co-payments, without disrupting HSA eligibility. Um, you would also be allowed to have an HSA if your spouse has an FSA. Nice little fix there. Um, you would be allowed to use your HSA for dependent children up to age 26, just like covering them under a group health plan. That was a little oversight in the Affordable Care Act. The age 26 rule doesn't extend to the health savings accounts themselves. Um, there would also be more flexibility with regard to having an FSA and an HRA. Um, certain coverage under those plans would not disrupt HSA eligibility. Um, more or, or looser rules for chronic disease prevention. If you are, you know, receiving um, services at low cost or no cost for chronic disease prevention, um, that also should not disrupt HSA eligibility under these these laws that are proposed. Another one would be allowing you to use some HSA monies um, to pay for like gym reimbursements up to certain limits. Other ones would allow spouses to make catch-up contributions to the same HSA, and there are other little administrative fixes that just make it easier for folks to have and contribute to an HSA. Um, now, I don't know exactly what this will mean for making coverage more affordable, um, but I know that those folks who are high earners really appreciate HSAs. It's a great tax savings vehicle, triple tax advantaged account. Um, I did read something the other day that, that indicated that, um, at least according to that study, that um, most people that have HSAs make over six figures. Yes, so I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, I was surprised by that too, and I, I didn't dig that far into the study. I don't know what the sample was, but that was a, a figure that they were they were touting. Hmm. Well, these definitely sound like um, they would be welcomed by HSA holders, and I'm I'm really hoping that 
at least the telemedicine one goes through and gets passed because you know how long we've been talking about living in the gray area on how to handle telemedicine and the copay and, you know, does it disrupt eligibility for HSA? Our opinion, your opinion, I believe is yes. And so having some more clarification and maybe some flexibility with that would be great. Okay. Well, um, I had also read that other tax favored accounts may see some relief like flexible spending accounts. So what can you tell me about the restoring access to medication act? I think that's the one that talks about over the counter products and maybe FSA carryover. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of other ones floating around that would allow employers to once again reimburse over-the-counter drugs um, through an FSA or an HRA or an HSA. That was, uh, they call that the medicine cabinet tax. That was part of the ACA where, you know, we used to be able to use FSAs for those over-the-counter medications, um, drugs. Um, that was changed back in, I think, 2010. Um, and so this would once again open up the, the FSAs in that manner. Um, and then also they're looking at getting rid of the use it or lose it rule. And so you could have rollover, I guess a greater rollover um, of your FSA funds at the end of the year. Um, and one thing Sarah was mentioning before we, we jumped on is, you know, what's the timing of all this and, and would, would employers maybe need to act prior to the end of the year? And it's certainly possible, right? If, if some of these laws get passed in 2018 and they have a 2019 effective date, we may need to update cafeteria plans before the end of the year if we want to take advantage of these new rules for 2019, if they do in fact come into fruition. Um, with regard to cafeteria plans, amendments generally need to be prospective unless the IRS says, look, we passed this so close to the end of the year. You know, For these particular amendments, you can do them up until the end of 2019. And, and they've been known to do things like that before a few years ago, I think, when they you know, first in the carryovers, we had a little more time to amend the plan. So um, just, I think, keep an eye out for that. And certainly as, and as these laws um, get passed and signed into law, we'll be issuing client alerts and Sarah will be sharing those uh, with, with all her clients. Definitely. So I guess the, the word to employers is stay tuned. We'll see if these make it through the Senate, if they make it intact or how much change is made to them. And um, also, I guess the other word would be stay nimble. So if you want to add an HSA or you have an HSA and you are going to be excited about these new changes, you know, they'll have to be communicated and um, the same for the FSA. So all good things, I think, as far as employers are concerned. Um, so just stay tuned. And if, if these all do come to fruition, there's a good chance we'll be recording another podcast about the next step. So thanks so much for joining us on this one and be sure to tune into anything else that might be a topic of interest to you. And we will uh, be back with you next time. Thanks everyone.